0: If you got your Bible, turn in the Old Testament, the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 10, 1 Samuel 10. It says 20 through 24, but let's let's go to verse 22. Let me have your undivided attention for the first five minutes. I need it. For the first five minutes, it will set the plate and set the scene for the rest, first five minutes. First Samuel chapter number 10, verse number 22, therefore they inquired of the Lord further if the man should yet come hither, and the Lord answered, behold... Saul has hidden himself among the baggage, and they ran and took him, and when he stood among the people, he was higher and taller than any of the people from his shoulders and upward. And Samuel said to all the people, see him him whom the Lord has chosen, that there is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God save the king." Lord, I am believing, God, that you're going to help me, and I'll be attentive to what you want done today, and I'm believing, God, that those that are here will be attentive uh, to hear and receive your word joyfully. God, help it to be a manna to those that need manna. Help it, God, to be milk to those that need milk. Help it to be meat to those that need meat. And I'm believing it will be a help in all these various ways. In Jesus' name, amen. It was Saul's opportunity of a lifetime. He was going to be officially crowned and coronated as the king of Israel. This was it. And the reason it talks about all the baggage is because all of Israel had shown up from various parts of Israel to be there. And they all put their baggage in one locale, and it got time to be able to crown Saul as the next, as the king of Israel, and Saul was nowhere to be found. Saul was hiding in the baggage, and he's gonna be king. He's going to have say-so over all of Israel, but instead of him stepping up to that, he was afraid of doing God's will for his life. Pastor Mark, what's the most difficult thing you have ever done? The will of God for my life. And that flies in the face of the word of faith crowd, who I would like better call the little booklet crowd. They always read the little booklets of Kenneth Hagin and Kenneth Copeland. To where their idea is that you get saved and all your problems go away. You can't find that in the Bible. I know you sell more books if you write that down. But you really can't find that in the Bible. Doing the will of God has been the most difficult thing I have ever done. And I think it puts me in some good company because when you read after what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he said of the Jewish people five times, they have laid stripes on my back each time totaling 39 I have a Civil War book at home, and it shows a black man with his shirt stripped off of him, and they have took a still photograph of that man's back, and it, was, it had been healed over all the years, but it was just in ribbons and shreds of hard scars that had been healed onto his back. And when I seen that, I thought, that's what Paul's back must have looked like. You can't look at Paul and say, oh, yeah, you get saved and, and Jesus makes everything happy, clappy, and everything just perfect. And, and you go from, from this life to the next life, to, from this place to New Jerusalem, Selah, everything is perfect and never a care and never, never a problem the rest of your life. Hogwash. Hogwash. Paul said three times, "I was beaten with brass rods. Once I was pummeled with stones and left for dead. Three times I have suffered shipwreck." And he wasn't talking about carnival. Man, you've heard <laughs> the problems they've been having. <laughs> a night and a day I have I have floated in the sea, in the Mediterranean Sea, in journeyings often, in dangers of waters, in dangers of robbers in danger by my own countrymen, in danger by the heathen, in danger in the city, in danger in the wilderness, in danger in the sea, in danger among false brethren. This is the guy who writes two-thirds in the New Testament. And I know we put him in stained glass windows, and, and they make sculptures, and he sits outside of many churches and Catholic churches, but I'm telling you, this guy experienced hardships in his life. In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in fastings and hunger, in thirst, in cold and nakedness. And beside all of those things that are without, that which comes upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Last week I talked to Donnie Hefner after the service was over. And he told me that there are different family members in his life that do not like the new Donnie. They'd rather have the old Donnie. And Donnie told me these words. When I started doing God's will, that's when trouble happened in my life. But he continues on. I'm not going back to my old life. And all of heaven <laughs> applause on something like that. Thank God. These quitters and I, oh, it's just too hard and I didn't know it. And like one woman told me years ago, Mark, you don't know what it's like. It's the only life I've ever known. Fooey. She wanted me to baby her. Paul says forgetting the past, moving forward is what Paul said. And I know pop psychology says, dredge up everything you ever did and imagine the rest of it and act like it happened to you. But Paul said, forgetting the past, moving forward. Forgetting the past, moving forward. God's will for my life has been the most difficult thing I've ever done. But I'm telling you, it has been the most enjoyable thing I've ever done. The most fulfilling thing I've ever done. The most exhilarating thing I've ever done. And the most rewarding thing I've ever done. The loveliest place I have ever seen is not the Smoky Mountains, and it's not the Rocky Mountains, and it's not the Grand Canyon, and it's not the Gulf of Mexico. And it's not the Atlantic Ocean, and it's not the Mediterranean Sea, and it's not the Sea of Galilee, and it's not Niagara Falls, and it's not Ruby Falls, and it's not Chicago, it's not New York, it's not Atlanta, it's not St. Louis, it's not Tulsa, it's not Phoenix, it's not Minneapolis, it's not Houston, it's not Galveston, it's not San Antonio, it's not Jerusalem and it's not Tel Aviv. The loveliest place I've ever seen, wait for it, is Orchardville, Illinois. (laughs) This is the will of God for my life. And you don't make fun of Orchardville. I can, but you can't. I'm standing in the very spot That God has ordained for me to be. I didn't hide from God's will for my life. And believe you me, there was a hundred reasons for me to hide. Some guy told me a few years back, preacher, you could go places if you had hair and your teeth fixed. (laughs) So I don't have the looks for it. I do not have great oratory skills and great speaking ability. I didn't have that going for me. I, I didn't come from a preacher family and I wasn't raised in church and I didn't have that going for me. It had been very easy for me to have hid in the baggage. And it's not that I'm anything special because millions of people have done what I've done. When God called them, they stood up. They stood up and said, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. Orchardville Church and Centraea Branch and Fairfield Branch, there are hundreds and hundreds of people that are in those churches and in those branches that have risen, thank God, to the challenge, what God has called them to be. Amen. I believe it was Karen Watson a few weeks ago. She handed me a paper. It was either her or Gail Holloman because every week they hand me a piece of paper. So I know it was them. I know it it was one of them. And in that it says, in church, we should be able to reveal our weakness so we can find our strength instead of willing to conceal our faults so we can appear strong. I'll read that again. In church, we should be able to reveal our weakness to find our strength instead of and rather than conceal our faults to appear strong. When our greatest fear is letting down our hair, perhaps our greatest sin is keeping it up. And I usually don't tell hair jokes, but I did. In the Gospels, the man with the withered hand, and this has always spoke to me, because knowing what human nature is like, the man with the withered hand, Jesus says, no, back up, I'm going to tell you what Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say, hey, you, buddy, stretch forth your withered hand, and I'll heal it. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. Human nature, such as it is, would have stretched forth your good hand. Because I don't want anybody to see my gnarled hand. What did the guy do? the guy stretched forth his withered hand. And when he revealed the weakness that he had, God supernaturally healed him. As long as we got a false face on and we're acting like everything is perfect, I'm perfect, I mean, there are, Sad to say, it's Halloween around America every Sunday. People putting on their little false faces and going to church in their Sunday best and acting like they don't have a hurt or a problem. One. And I know that's not so. I know that's not so. The Bible talks about a baggage of sin, there's a baggage of bitterness. A baggage of guilt, a baggage of pride, a baggage of fear. Have you ever had, in your lifetime, have you ever carried a baggage around your neck? You ever done that? You know what that tends to do? I had a tie on yesterday. I had to do a wedding. No, I didn't have to. I got to do a wedding. (laughs) And it just really is confining to me. There are people that come to church and they've got all this baggage and this junk all over them. And no wonder some people have a hard time Praising God, because you know what worship should be? Worship should be to where we're just feeling free and feeling good, and man, we're just praising God, but you know, a lot of times it's hard to do that. It's hard to kind of lift your hands to God when you got all this other stuff, and you got all this baggage, you just, you know, it's just against you, you know, I mean, you ever had anything in your life that choked out your praise to God? Yes. Yeah. Doubt, bitterness, unbelief, pride, fear. For the Bible talks about lay aside every weight in sin but chokes you out and easily besets your race. Lay it aside. I'll tell you what one of these is like. I thought of this this morning. This is like the center of pride. Because you open it up, well, wow. There's another deal in here. And it's, it's, got, it's got a compartment here where I can put my lotions that they won't let me take on the airport and all of that. TSA, you know what the deal is on how you get a job there? They say, yeah, this one's breathing. We can hire him. (laughs) Pride, here's another one. The deal with pride is There's usually more there than what we think. Yeah. And you got all these compartments and all these things and all of these little where you can open it up. And, yeah, I didn't know that was there. And here this one opens up. And then, oh, there's something here I can put in. And here's where my laptop goes. And here's my, here's my iPad. Speaking of that, I don't want my iPad to go to Chicago. All right, Thanks. There's a baggage of bitterness Max Licato's latest book Grace Sam Sam Kessler taught on grace Wednesday night And he'll follow that up this coming Wednesday night A marvelous job One of the finest jobs I've ever heard on that subject Here's what Mr. Licato writes. Victoria Ruffalo can tell you about random pain. On a November evening in 2004, this 44-year-old New Yorker was driving home to her Long Island home. She had just attended her niece's recital and was ready for the couch, a warm fire, and Relaxation. She doesn't remember seeing the silver Nissan approach from the east. She does not remember the 18-year-old boy leaning out the window, holding, of all things, a frozen turkey. He threw it at her window. The 20-pound bird crashed through the glass, bent the steering wheel inward, shattered her face like a dinner plate on concrete. The violent prank left her grappling for life in the ICU. She survived, but only after doctors wired her jaw, affixed one eye by synthetic film, and bolted titanium plates to her cranium. She can't look in the mirror without a reminder of her hurt. Then Lucado says, to accept grace is to accept the vow of to give grace. Victoria Ruffalo did. Nine months after her disastrous November night, she stood face to face with her offender in court. Ryan Cushing was no longer the cocky, turkey-tossing kid in the Nissan. He was trembling, tearful, and apologetic. For New York City... He had come to symbolize a generation of kids out of control. People packed the room to see him get his. The judge's sentence enraged them. Six months behind bars, five years probation, some counseling and public service. The courtroom erupted. Everyone objected. Everyone, that is, except Victoria Ruffalo. The reduced sentence was her idea. The boy walked over. She embraced him. In full view of the judge and the crowd, she held him tight, stroked his hair. He sobbed, and she spoke. I forgive you. I want your life to be the best it can be. She allowed grace to shape her response. Wow. 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 God gave me a second chance at life and I passed it on, she says. If I hadn't let go of that anger, I'd be consumed by this need for revenge. Forgiving him helps me move on. She said, by the way, if I hadn't, she goes, I know the rest of my life I'll be known as the turkey lady. But she says, thank God he didn't throw a ham or I'd be known as Miss Piggy. (laughs) (laughs) Given grace. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. There's the baggage of fear. FOP and FOF. F-O-P, F-O-F. FOP, fear of people, keeps a lot of you down. FOP, fear of failure. Oh, I can't try something, I might fail. Let me tell you something liberating I heard a few years back. I heard Billy Graham say, when the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, we tried thus and so, and it didn't work, it failed. That was liberating to me. Wow, Billy Graham tried something and it didn't work. That means I can try things and if it don't work, ha, Billy Graham failed too. I ain't going to let failure define me. mm mm I ain't going to let fop and foff take over my life. I'm going to be willing to let that go. Let me give you something real quick here that I think will help everybody. What you see on the outside, no matter what it is, no matter what it is, what you see on the outside, it's because that's what's on the inside. Let me give you a Bible illustration of this. Moses sees an Egyptian and a Hebrew fighting. Guess what? That's what's going on on the inside. Moses, born a Hebrew, raised as an Egyptian. That tussle was there on the inside. Moses, born a slave, raised as a slave owner. Everything this guy saw on the outside, going on on the inside. The Egyptian, the Hebrew fighting, that's what's going on on the inside. There's an Egyptian and a Hebrew fighting on the inside of him. The call of God is there for him, and he don't know what to do with it. It's a reflection of what was going on on the inside of him. People that dislike everybody, deep down, they dislike themselves too. People that dislike everybody, deep down, they dislike themselves too. It's a reflection of what's going on on the inside. Moses sees the burning bush. He's going to turn aside and see this great sight. What Moses sees on the outside is what's happening on the inside. The bush is on fire. Moses is on fire. He knows God's called him to do something. The bush is not consumed. Moses is not consumed. God's word is coming from the burning bush. Soon God's word will be coming from the prophet Moses. What he sees on the outside is what's going on on the inside. Preacher, all of this stuff up here you keep calling baggage, it's not baggage, it's luggage. Because there's travel in that luggage, and there's pleasure in that luggage. And there's excitement in that luggage. And there's happiness in that luggage. We call it luggage. God calls it baggage. We call it a little white lie. God calls it sin. We call it social drinking. God calls it sin. We call it gossip. God calls it sin. Are you hiding with Moses In the land of Midian? Are you hiding with Jonah in the belly of a whale? Are you hiding in the far country with the prodigal son? We call it luggage, God calls it baggage. The day that happened 3,000 years ago with Saul, he's hiding. He's hiding. in the baggage. People are looking for him. And eventually, Saul stands. Saul was bigger than his baggage. So are you. So are you. Oh, preacher, you don't know my past. Just like Saul was taller and bigger than his baggage, so are you. You can't go forward looking in your rearview mirror. You can't always be looking back to what you did and what how things messed up and how things were turned off rotten and all. You can't always be doing that. Stand up because you're bigger than your baggage. And the devil will tell you something contrary, but he's the father of lies. You're bigger than your baggage. All those that are bigger than their baggage, I want you to stand right now. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And if you're here and you wasn't able to stand, God can fix that today. God can fix that today. Well, he really loved people in the Bible. He really loves you too. God, I can see God having a divine will for Moses or for a King David or for a King Saul, but surely God doesn't have a divine will for me. Oh, yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And that divine will starts at his feet. And God can breathe life into you and you can become bigger than any kind of baggage the enemy would want to hang on to you and have you to hold up and hold on to, and it impede your progress all of your life. Bow your heads, please. Father, we thank you, God, for another opportunity that I've had to be able to share your word. And God, just like we have dropped this baggage, Lord, we can do that within our life. All of the junk and the stuff that would hold on to us, we can drop that in the name of Jesus, and we can be free and liberated in Jesus' name. Amen. The day that I preached my father-in-law's funeral, that was the day, and you've all seen this on TV, to where they put that chain and that rope around the statue of, of uh, Sodom, Hussein, and they dragged that down. How many have seen that? <clears throat> there are strongholds in people's lives and God wants to be able to tear that down because them strongholds will turn into I'll take that another way our baggage if we don't watch out can be turned into a stronghold and just like they pulled Hussein's statue down and it was a liberating moment for all those people in Iraq same thing God wants to happen in all of our lives. It's not a bunch of baggage, not a bunch of baggage turned into strongholds, but we get that tore down out of our life and we go on and go forward. Go on and go forward. We go on and we go forward. We're opening up these altars right now if you're here. You want to lay aside some baggage so you can run the race more effectively we give you that opportunity up in the balcony, on the main floor don't matter we give you that opportunity today come on come on
1: Lord my life is to here's my heart face to the ground or say just to be You said I belong. You say I am yours. Nothing.
0: I got a question how many here by the raising of your hand you are bigger and taller than any baggage that you got in your life thank God thank God thank God that's where I want to be in my life that's where I want to be in my life I'm bigger any anything the devil wants to try to throw at me or lay on me there are times you just gotta you just gotta yeah but I'm just so I'm just so angry at that person I just there are times you just gotta let it go no no this gives me control over that person because I'm angry and I'm angry well you're not made out of the stuff that Victoria was made out of because she was willing to let it go. That one thing that she said if I hadn't let go of that anger, I'd be consumed by this need for revenge. Forgiving him helps me move on. Amen. Amen. I think you're bigger than all the baggage and all the stuff that the enemy would try to lay on you. You're bigger than that. Thank God for that. Thank God.